Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power, brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Before we dive in, I have a really quick request. We are really eager to know more about our audience, so we created a short listener survey to help us learn more about you. You can visit wondermedianetwork.com forward slash survey to share your thoughts and be entered to win some really cool Wonder Media Network swag. That's wondermedianetwork.com forward slash survey. You can also find the link in today's episode notes. Hey y'all, welcome to the sixth episode of For Future Reference. I'm Tori Taylor. And I'm Ambar Calvillo Rivera. This podcast is all about creating a space to have real, candid conversations about the role that people play in our lives, especially the ones who lift us up in professional and personal ways, and how they make up the support structure in our lives. It's advice and food for thought that you can use now or just keep around for future reference. And on today's episode, we're tackling a very important part of shaping in and or investing in your network and mentoring relationships, and that is staying in touch. We thought this was a key thing to dive into because you're busy and the people supporting your growth are also busy and staying in touch doesn't just happen. It's an intentional act and we know it's not enough to simply build your army. You also have to feed and water that army too. Yes, and Tori Taylor, I'm sure to no surprise, you know this is something I've been thinking a lot about and one thing that I've been going back to is this term like quote-unquote, loose networks. And this is essentially people that maybe are two, three degrees separated from you that um, have ended up in your digital platforms. And I've thought about how this has evolved for me over the years, and it really has impacted how I've chosen to stay in contact with people or stay in touch. Uh, So I started to follow friend folks online for a couple years now. And what that created is now there's, I'm sure like for many folks, thousands of folks on between Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And at some point, it started to feel to me like a big amorphous digital blob. I was... That sounds terrifying. That's the title of the next scary movie. (laughs) Uh, They're coming for you, the digital amorphous amorphous blog. Um, I mean that there were so many folks that I wasn't really interacting with one-on-one that I just saw them as a big group on whatever corresponding platform they were on. And I was posting updates really as a mass message communication, but I wasn't getting in touch with folks and I didn't feel like I was connected with anyone individually. And that thought of, you know, someone told me, Uh, stay connected with your networks, it was almost um, gave me a little bit of anxiety. Like, how could I possibly really be genuinely connected to so many folks? I as I started to evolve how I engaged online, it was based on my interests. And so I started joining more community groups, uh, more interest groups um, that started to have more in person events. Uh, One 
group that I really enjoy that's a good example is called DMV Latinas and it's a Facebook group uh, that was a part of when I lived in Washington DC and they started to have um, a lot more a separate community events and so I started to see people that were just a part of this amorphous uh, blob <laughs> and I started to to find a really enjoyable and genuine way to stay connected with some of these folks that were a part of this digital platform and I really enjoyed these small gatherings so that has been something that um, actually my wife and I have started to do a lot more and it's setting um, intentional small gatherings around something we both enjoy which is food we love to eat and we really enjoy cooking and so uh, I wanted to recommend and plug this book that has really influenced how I look at this and it's called The Art of Gathering How We Meet and Why It Matters by Priya Parker and she essentially just talks about seeing any gathering or space that you share with people as something intentional and it gives you something to to ground while you're bringing people together and it's been just a beautiful evolution for me on uh, making something that gave me a lot of anxiety to something that I really enjoy and I get to uh, really connect with folks in a deeper way. I love that and it's interesting because I actually think that you and I approach staying in touch in pretty different ways. You take a deep approach and, you know, with the the intimate dinner parties, and I think versus going deep, I actually tend to go wide. I get a lot of personal fulfillment in, in small touches. You know, that big digital amorphous blog that sounded a little horrifying when you were describing it. I think in some ways I embrace that. Um, I get a ton of energy and fulfillment around being a around people and I think that goes back to you know who I am and also how my career trajectory has gone. I've always had professional roles where I'm interacting with a ton of people, you know, in the last 10 years I've moved around 12 times, worked in 25 different states and I love staying in touch with as many of those people that I've met along the way as often as I can, which can definitely be exhausting, but I think there are a few ways you can stay connected efficiently at scale, even if it's not as deep as an intimate dinner party or doing um, a one-on-one with someone. Obviously, I'm a big fan of social media as a way to stay in touch at scale. I think that's a given. I'm always dropping likes or lurking online in a way that I hope is not too creepy. Uh, But also, I like to think about what I'm already doing on a day-to-day basis, like getting coffee or eating breakfast and figuring out where I can invite people to join me for those activities. So I can have a great catch-up session with someone that I wanted to see while also doing something that I had to do anyway and just killing two birds with one stone. There have actually been times where I have been talking with someone about catching up and, you know, actually sent them a list of, hey, this is this is X, Y, and Z that I'm planning to do today. Is there any chance you would want to join me for one of them? And that has led me to catching up with someone over grocery shopping <laughs> together, which can kind of be an extreme example, but one, it worked. And two, I think the good thing about you know figuring out how to line up things that you're already doing on a day-to-day basis and staying connected with other people is 
I bet most of the time, whoever you're meeting with, they also had a plan to eat breakfast that day or get coffee or had to get groceries at some point that week. And so I think this there's there are ways to make this mutually beneficial and efficient for all involved. Wow. I that seems to me honestly a little exhausting. <laughs> but <laughs> but that's uh, you know, you got you gotta know yourself and what gives you energy and what doesn't. Totally. One of the most important parts of this conversation that you and I are having is that there are a lot of different ways that we can stay in touch with people. And the most important thing is to decide what method of staying in touch works best for you. You know, for example, if you don't like writing letters or putting stamps on envelopes, then maybe sending out an annual holiday card isn't going to be your thing. But the good news is there are countless different ways that you can approach this and staying connected with people. You just have to figure out the system that works best for you and stick to it. The good news is we had such an incredible uh, guest for the show today that we interviewed and they gave a ton of advice and tips on this. Um, Both women that we interviewed today are just phenomenal, always on the go women who have badass networks but are really just pros at staying in touch with people. And so we were able to dig into what that means for them and how they do it. Our first guest is Stephanie Valencia. She's one of Washington, D.C.'s leading political strategists, having spent over 10 years working on campaigns in Congress, building coalitions, running issue campaigns from the White House to the private sector. She is, I would say, a connector queen and someone that I think of as a madrina or a godmother to a lot of young Latinos in politics. So we talk about how she approaches it and some of the things that she's picked up along the way. Stephanie Valencia, thank you so much for joining our show. We are so lucky to have you. Thank you for having me. Um, So today we want to dig into what you've learned and gotten out of um, a lot of the cool, really intentional peer mentoring networks that you've built Mm -hmm. and you've done so much in your life. So I want to dig in with, you know, you you co-founded networks to support leadership development like the Latino Talent Initiative and the Latina Collective. What prompted you to do this and what have you learned from doing these? Yeah, I think um, for me, I I really view myself as a connector. Um, I think uh, there is a lot of power in getting people and sharing the same space. Um, I think magic happens when you get people, really awesome, wonderful people together and they share the same space um, and can build trust with each other and relationship and find ways to connect with one another to support and, and, and help one another. But ultimately for me, what really kind of started my path of building these networks was I've been in a lot of different spaces that are you know, inherently not very diverse. Mm -hmm. Government at the highest levels, political campaigns at high levels, um, the tech industry, kind of the donor, you know, funder, progressive funding of progressive um, efforts. And everywhere that I've kind of been, there's been a very huge lacking of diversity. And even when there is diversity in the room, it's usually Latinos or Latinas that are missing. Mm -hmm. And so for me, this was really about how do we uh, build power for our community Um, longer term and how do we do that by supporting and building stronger uh, trenzas or networks with each other to support each other and that may be in the form of very common groups like uh, the Latinos 44 which was all the Latino Obama appointees Um, it could be uh, Latinas who share a common identity and thread of being Latina in lots of different industries Um, but you know who may be in the nonprofit sector or the business sector and so just finding those 
common threads uh, where people can support each other and building those networks and just giving people the space to do the magic that happens when you bring people into a room like that or a network. Mm -hmm. I I love that you described yourself as a connector. You know, we've talked so much on this on this podcast with a range of guests on networking and building relationships and doing that in an authentic way and kind of trying to break down some of the negative connotations Mm -hmm. that can go with like transactional networking. Um, You know, I, I love the idea of a connector and I think that those people are so important to so many different people as they're starting their careers in a range of industries. And I guess my question is to you, you know, is being a connector something that you always thought you wanted to be, or is that like a role that you kind of like grew into like how did that what was that pathway no I don't think I thought I ever set out to oh I want to be a connector but I think as I kind of amassed experience and my network grew that um it just became really clear one way I could really give back to my community in a very easy way was connecting people to the network that I had built and so my network is very diverse um it is very uh you know I kind of can I've spanned a lot of different worlds as I talked about earlier um but I so I do have a google spreadsheet of like my my true mentees like so that I can kind of go back to them and just like check every few months I'm like oh yeah I need to check in with so and so or you know um I have tried to keep a list of people that I have coffees with so that I can like know okay well I recommended this or I did that for them and I have older mentors and contacts and I have people who are much younger and very much in the next generation behind me. Um, And so I just, I find it's like, it it is really kind of this floating between all these different places. I will say that, you know, there's a difference between kind of being a connector and being a mentor slash a sponsor. And I probably have it, you know, and I'm very, um, I want to say selective, but I, I, because being a mentor and a sponsor takes so much more time, I have Mm -hmm. about 10 or 12 mentees who I've literally followed through their entire career. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we'll talk once a month, you know, casually, they'll consult me for every kind of major job choice. That's very different than a connector. Um, And a connector is somebody who is just willing to kind of open up their network and open a door. Um, And what I tell people when I meet with them, I said, I'm willing to open any door that I have for you, but you have to walk through it. I can't get that job for you. I can't get that meeting for you, but you have to be the one to make that kind of um, strong pitch. Well, that's the thing is that there is, I think, a lot of people that have access to these really big networks, diverse rooms, and they don't always take that next step to be able to offer that to other people that don't have that. And so even the fact that you were intentional about even categorizing how you're able to spend your time and and support as many people, whether you're mentoring, you're sponsoring, you're you're creating rooms where people get together and they yep. learn from them from each other is amazing. Yep. Um, which one of the of the formats do you think has been the most successful at achieving what you wanted to do, which was that people get together, they learn from each other. You've done in-person convenings Mm -hmm. with Latino leaders Mm -hmm. that come in. There's just the listserv part of it. So for you, what what have you seen as the best format? I think, um, you know, uh, started a lot of listservs. In fact, one of the first listservs I started when I came to D.C. was a listserv of Latino progressive political operatives. Um, And we literally started with a list of zero. um, But we knew that there were a lot of people who had worked in campaigns and weren't just in D.C., but were across the country and that all these opportunities existed across the country. 
So myself and about five or six other people in like 2010 started this list called Conexiones, which means connections. Mm -hmm. um, and really has become a listserv to share job opportunities, sometimes the occasional apartment listing or fundraiser, but it became this list. But the thing is about the list now, it's almost close to 2,000 people that we've built wow. from zero um, and people all over the country, right? And they're all kinds of different, you know, you have really progressive people, you have more moderate people, um, but nobody really knows each other. So you, there's a limited value to the list. It's still there is value because people are seeing opportunities they wouldn't otherwise see. But I think the power of building trust and, again, those connections and, and trenzas of, and threads of, of, you know, common and shared uh, vision and goals and uh, is what's really powerful. And I think that trust piece. And I think, you know, the, the room kind of you're referring to is this group of Latino political operatives that I've been gathering for the last year and a half that are moving people, they're moving resources, or they're moving um, strategy at the highest levels that impact our community. And it's on the electoral side and it's on the movement side and oftentimes those sides don't talk to each other you know the movement side can be very skeptical of the electoral side and the electoral side can be very skeptical of the movement side but if we can't be talking to each other we don't have to coordinate on strategy we don't have to agree on on how we get there but at least we have those relationships built so we can open doors for each other have those face-to-face -face conversations when we disagree and have something uh, that it's built on to be able to do that do you have a perspective on how technology has changed the way, you know, we mentor and develop leaders? Like, are the tools different than the ones that you may have used 10 years ago? Like, what's, what, what's your thought process there? Um... Well, there's nothing like the good old-fashioned Google group to bring people together. I think I'm like member of like a hundred different Google groups. Um, maybe not a hundred, but a lot. Um, and, and Google groups give people like a real way to kind of connect into each other, no matter where you are. Um, you know, I think uh, what I always tell people regarding kind of career advice is like LinkedIn is your friend. Um, I worked on the Clinton transition team, the pre-transition effort in 2016, and my job was to go out and recruit people to work on the transition effort and all that. And I was surprised at the number of people who had very outdated LinkedIn profiles. Mm. So if anybody's listening, go update your LinkedIn mm. profile today. I couldn't call people because we weren't allowed to talk to people until the election was over. And so a lot of what I was doing to stock people's experience was looking at their LinkedIn profiles. And I was just shocked at the number of people mm. that didn't have LinkedIn profiles. So I tell people, it was like, your resume should match your LinkedIn profile exactly. And make sure that they're always both updated because that's, you know, so many people are your companies and others are using LinkedIn to source talent. Um, and so I think it's a really important way to, to, to do that. And I think just, you know, there's nothing that replaces the in-person and one-on-one -on -one conversation with a mentee or with somebody who's seeking your advice. Um, you know, I am fine doing like Google Hangouts with people if I can't, you know, see them in person because um, that just gives that like face-to-face -face connection that I think is really important. You said earlier that you're selective on the people that you spend more time with and you understand the time investment that the mentorship and then the sponsorship is, you know, requires. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that and maybe kind of how you how you arrived at that point and to you what the differences are? Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm selective. It's not like I weed people out. I think they kind of like weed themselves out of the process. Like people, mm. like what I always say to be a really good mentee, it's like on you to continue following up. And the people who I have stayed very close to over time have been people that have stayed close and done that follow up and where we have this reciprocity of like a, a checking in with each other. Um, so it's not like on me 
to always check in on them and then when they check in with me I don't respond it's just it's so the people who I've kind of it's kind of honed in at about 10 to 12 who have just really been very committed to the our relationship um and so that's kind of how I've narrowed it down um to date but I think again I'm always willing to do the you know people look at my LinkedIn and say oh you have this person in common do you mind dropping them a note and introducing me or passing my resume along for this position people who do the work to see like that I actually have a connection somewhere is actually very helpful to me. I, I, I wrote a um, right after the 2016 election when everyone was kind of in a spiral and not sure where they were going to work. I wrote this medium post. Um, you can find it on my medium page called "Tis the Season for Transitions," and it was basically anybody who asked for coffee with me. I asked them three things. I said one bring me your resume. Uh, I will red market and run light it like right while we're sitting there. We're not going to engage in a 10 email exchange back and forth where I edit, you respond, you, might, you know, I mean, none of us have time for that. Um, two is come with a very clear pitch of what you want to do. Like what is your elevator pitch? Um, I can help you refine it and we can talk through it, but like I come with a clear sense of what you're, what you're asking or what you want to do. And then third is come with your ask. Like, do you need me to facilitate an introduction? Do you need me to help, you know, pitch, you know, send your resume somewhere or weigh in with somebody to get the, get you the job interview and get you to the top of the pile of resumes? Um, but come with like a kind of very concrete ask for me. Um, and that will help me be the best, you know, I, that's not mentorship, but the best connector for you that I can be. And then, if, and then four is, is it's on you to kind of maintain this relationship and send me updates and let me know if you need me to do more for you. And the longer we kind of build that relationship out and we kind of stay in touch is where mentorship kind of comes more into play. If uh, you were to have coffee with one of your mentors tomorrow, what's something that you would ask that you're going through right now? Um, as we, you know, started this new initiative called Equis, which um, is trying to build a better understanding of the Latinx electorate and investing in new and innovative approaches to reach and engage them using digital data and tech tools. You know, I'm thinking through a lot of questions. We've got a major research project we're undertaking. We were, we're making some interesting investments in kind of some tech forward digital stuff that's really interesting. And so just trying to think like kind of beyond the political space and think about where can this be valuable and, you know, because Part of the reason it's called X, because X means letter X in Spanish, is Latinos will be the X factor in politics and elections for the foreseeable future. And so, you know, I'm figuring out the political piece, but what's the societal piece? And so I think for me, I'm looking for thought partners and mentorship around how do we think about it in that way. Marcy Stetch is a communications and public relations pro who has run comms for some top-notch organizations like Emily's List, the Sundance Film Festival, and she is currently the communications director for the Emerson Collective. We absolutely love Marcy on this show because she is a bright ball of sunshine, but also has a ton of good tips. So Marcy, tell us a little bit about what you do and what your life's about. Great question, Tori. Um, I ask myself that question every day. <laughs> um, so today, this is how I feel. Um, so I am a communications professional. I spent about 10 years in D.C. I'm originally from Minnesota. moved to D.C. to change the world. And then mm. after about 10 years here, I decided that I needed to expand the way that I think about change beyond uh, election cycle to election cycle, although I still very much believe in mm -hmm. that as a mechanism for change found myself in the Bay Area, which is where I live now in San Francisco, where I am communications director for Emerson Collective, 
which is a social change organization that works on a broad range of issues and uses a broad range of tools, philanthropy, policy, impact investing across the board on immigration, education, cancer research, and the list goes on. Mm, mm, wow, that sounds pretty cool. I know. I know. It is super cool. Um, well, so to dig in, let's just start with how you would describe your, your network right now and your su- support structure and how it looks like for you right now. So I would say my support structure is and consistently has been people who know and understand who I am as a person. Mm. Um, I think, you know, growing up in northern Minnesota and moving to D.C., I kind of never really, I didn't really have like a strategic play. I was like, I'll move to D.C. for a little bit and kind of see what happens. And um, I think it's so often to it's so often easier to be defined by what you do rather than who you are. Mm. Um, And so the people that I have held close in my network are people who are optimistic, supportive, who have a sense of humor, and also see me for who I am. A couple of years ago, when I was making the decision after the 2016 election whether or not I wanted to move from D.C. and kind of broaden my horizons, it was a little shocking to see how many people wanted, kind of saw me in a particular light. They kind of put me mm. in this box, like Marcy, political person, you work for Emily's List, you do elections for women, all that kind of stuff. Yes, that is part of me, but that is not all of me. And so while I was doing networking throughout that, it was very clear to me kind of who my real sort of friends were and then who mm-hmm. kind of wanted to uh, kind of keep me on the conveyor belt that I was oh, you know, wow. so very much in my gut. Um, knowing that I needed to get off in order to expand um, my base of knowledge. So people, are, I would say, like my network is everyone from, you know, some really close friends of mine who are sounding boards. And then I've got people who have now for over a decade um, been there for me when I've had uh, big strategic questions about career moves and um, asked for to be connected to other people. Um, but it really spans a range. But every single person who I hold dear to my heart and into my network understand who I am. Mm. I I love what you said about building a network that and a support structure that focuses on who you are. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that has to take a ton of intentionality, right? You know, yeah. there's there's probably, you know, I even look reflect on my own experiences like as a young woman, um, you know, building my career and building my network, you know, you're so hungry for advice and you're so hungry for mentorship and when someone older and more successful and has been around the block a few more times, like tells you like, this is X, Y, and Z, what you should do, you know, you know, my first inclination was like, oh, well, this is, this person knows their shit. Mm-hmm. Maybe you I should do that. Them too. <laughs> right. But like you said, you know, that might not always be the right path for me and who I am. And this could be just kind of like one size fits all advice, um, depending on what industry you're in. So I would love just to hear a little bit more about how you, have been able to stay true to building a network that is focused on who you are. Yeah, I think it it when you're when you're younger earlier on in your career and kind of figuring out which way is up, it actually like you're kind of picking a track and it's a little bit easier, right? Because for in communications for example, you start as, you know, you're doing clips in the morning, 5 a.m., and then you check that box and then you kind of move on and maybe you start to get on the record experience and you check that box and then you turn into uh, management, doing communications and running a team, and then you check that box and then you kind of go, whoa, wait, okay, like, do I want to do this for the rest of my mm-hmm. life? And um, do I want to do it in this setting? And that's when I think the the mentoring 
um, you know, kind of figuring out who needs to be there with me in those decisions becomes a little bit more challenging. It's a little bit more straightforward when you're when you know which way you where you want to go. And um, when you think about kind of making career turns and, and kind of figuring out how to um, strategically use the relationships that you've built, for me, it's about kind of it's about being vulnerable. Really, mm, it's about being right. able to share like how I actually feel right? I don't feel like this is where I want to go is a difficult thing to say. It's easier to come in and say, okay, so I want to work on a campaign. I want to work on a presidential campaign. I want to work in this type of position. Here are the three people I want to go help me, right? That is so much easier for a mentor to say, great, like I know this person, I'll like whatever, I'll do my best and you should really like consider whatever. Like it's so much a, a more clear ask rather than like, Hey, can we talk this through and can I be vulnerable with you? Um, mm-hmm. And that's where I think some of my more kind of recent mentors have really fallen in line with, with um, being supportive. I want to dig into and go back to your, your first point of essentially moving and, and switching gears um, in your career and, and, and the fact that you've still been able to keep folks from your network and, and your mentors from throughout your, your career span. And so, you know, things get in the way. You get different jobs. You be, you made a big move. You're busy. Um, and I think some people would be scared to lose contact or that people would forget about them and what mm-hmm. made them great because you're not in front of them. I moved to Texas. I think about this often. Um, and I also spend time in D.C. and moved back home. So how do you do it? Or how did you do it? Or are you still <laughs> figuring it out. Yeah, I'm still figuring it out. I'll just be totally transparent about that. Um, It's funny coming back to DC. We're here in DC right now and I live in San Francisco and um, sometimes I'm like, wait, I think I fell off the face of the earth. Like, mm-hmm. no, no, I still exist. And, and it's, it's not a big deal. Like, the, the good news is we have technology. We have things like email. We have Twitter. We have all these ways in kind of feeling still a part of something, even if you're not physically here to go to events, here to meet people in person for coffee. Um, so I tend to build... I do a lot of travel, and so I always try to build at least a window in which I can connect with a mentor or someone in my network who I know will help shed mm. some light and perspective on what where I am in my journey at the moment. So even if it's like a mostly like 99.9% professional um, trip, I try to build a little bit of that in. So I'm lucky that I am able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I think, you know, I feel really lucky about um, is that I still feel like I'm, I'm kind of plugged into the the way that like kind of the news cycle works and a lot of the people who I work with in my um, field, it's easy to see with their active on Twitter. They're they're quoted in the news and um, so staying in touch is not actually um, as difficult as I thought it would be. In that I could still feel like I'm kind of surrounded by it because of the external nature of what communications is. Um, That's great though. Yeah, no, it it is to, it's helpful to kind of keep track of people in the in the news or even things that they care about um you know so tyrone gale who is a democratic communications um flack who um, passed away about a year ago from cancer he was prolific at staying in touch with people he had this ability to connect and to feel like he was um i always felt like he was kind of with me wherever i was in a journey and i remember he um Whenever I was quoted, there was actually a, a, a piece that I was quoted in right after the 2016 election where it was kind of the early 
beginnings of more women stepping up to run for office. And there was just kind of a report that the Washington Post had done. And I was quoted in saying that there had been an increase and um, sort of enthusiasm to that. And he um, saw that quote, sent me a note and said that he was missing, you know, his eyes were tearing up on the Amtrak as he was um, on the train. And Mm. like, I just, I cherish that interaction so much, but he, you know, sent me like a positive, a positive note of acknowledgement. And it wasn't anything that was more than just like, I'm here. And, um, you know, I think about that a lot. And I think he, um, you know, he's no longer on this earth, but I think about that spirit of feeling connected to people and it doesn't take much. Um, It just kind of takes a little bit of keeping your eyes open, being perspective and being supportive that can really um, make someone's day and and kind of impact the course of um, of what they're doing. Mm. That makes me tear up and I didn't even know him. I know. (laughs) That was beautiful. Yeah. That was really nice. I I had met Tyrone a couple times, um, and I think what what you just said also speaks to to something larger. Is that you know something special and something meaningful and authentic uh, doesn't have to be you know a a dinner or it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like spending the day together hiking. Like it can be something as simple as an email that has something very thoughtful Mm -hmm. to say and like just a quick note that like, I'm thinking about you or I'm proud of you or, you know, X, Y, and Z made me think of you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had people like send me little notes like that before, even like on Facebook or like a Twitter DM. And I'm just like, oh, wow. Like that was so kind of them to think (laughs) of me on this particular day. And it, it was just something so small that meant so much. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's so, that's such an important thing to remember. I wondered if we, if this was even something that we should worry about. So like moving away, if this pressure to keep in touch with everyone and, and sneak in, you know, coffees as you're traveling, if, if it was in our head that we, you know, mm. like if we were putting this pressure on us to do it and keep in touch because you might be forgotten or whatever. But I think it's, it's actually the opposite, right? It's like, what, you know, what, what, what is all of this for if it's not to stay connected on a human level, right? And mm-hmm. you've had the opportunity to meet so many people, work with incredible people, and why not stay connected to them um, in a meaningful way, the way he, you know, he did that to you in, in that moment and what it did for your spirit. And so I think outside of, you know, doing this because you need to be and stay on people's radar for professional reasons, it's just stay connected as, as people. Oh, this is one of the episodes that I wish didn't have to end because Stephanie and Marcy are such talented, smart women. I honestly felt like such a sponge during these conversations, just soaking everything in. How are you feeling, Ampar? I'm feeling really inspired and trying to figure out ways to challenge myself and continue stretching uh, all of the ways that I authentically and genuinely stay in touch with people. But one of the things that I'm going to carry with me is uh, this beautiful description and vision that it created for me when Stephanie Valencia was talking about the, the networks that she's built as a trenza. The trenza is a braid in Spanish and a braid is just such a powerful description of how our networks should weave in and out and be close and tight-knit and supportive and just make you feel good and strong and so I'm just going to carry that description and that vision with me for the rest of the week I thought it was really beautiful 
I love that. I also really appreciated Stephanie's real talk when it came to the system of staying in touch with people. For example, her Google spreadsheet. This is the real talk around the logistics of networking and staying in touch with folks that I am 100% here for. You've got to have a system, you've got to organize it, and you have to maintain it. I also really liked Marcy mentioning the power of a small note of acknowledgement. It's always important to remember that even the smallest thing can be Mm. really meaningful to someone else. Well, everyone, we're at the end of the episode. Again, we want to say gracias. Thank you for listening today. And we want to make sure that you subscribe so that you don't ever miss an episode. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please feel free to leave a review if you're so inclined. Um, Even if you don't, we'd love to hear from you. We want to hear what you thought about today's episodes, about the interviews, about our takeaways, uh, something that we missed maybe. Uh, Please send us an email at pod, that's P-O-D, at wondermedianetwork.com. We want to include each of you in the conversations we're having this season, and your feedback is really, really valuable to us. And next week, we dig into something that we all aspire to be, a badass. We chat about the ups, the downs, and all things in between of being a modern-day badass woman in this world. We hope that this helps for now or for future reference. Talk to you next week. It is November 2019. We are right around the corner from the Democratic presidential primaries, and things could not be more hectic as we go into the 2020 election. A new chapter for this country potentially hangs in the balance. And so many folks are grappling with big questions like, what kind of leader does this moment need? And if you're trying to figure out the 2020 election and have lots of questions, first of all, you're in luck because so do we. And we found a great podcast called Finding 46 Who Has These Answers. It's a weekly podcast by Stephanie Valencia and Kyle Learman. And it's a journey to find out who is going to become the next president of the United States. Stephanie and Kyle don't interview all these candidates themselves. But they dig deeper and get to know the reporter who has been on that candidate's beat for years. They get to know their high school teachers and their best friends, their campaign managers. And by talking to these folks and today's top political thinkers, the hosts are trying to figure out who's got what it takes to win in 2020. So join them on their journey to find out who the 46th president is going to be. You can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.